All of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you to be here with us this morning and we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit. I have a friend named Dr. Jonathan Linebaugh, who is a professor of New Testament and fellow of Jesus College at Cambridge University. So basically the most prestigious post in biblical academia in the world. Uh, He was also an All-America lacrosse player in college, not academic All-America, but legit All-America. So, you know, he's a better theologian than me and a better athlete. Um, So I sort of hate him, Um, but I am way taller than him, so I I will always have that. But there was a time years ago when we were both students at a little seminary in Pittsburgh together, and I remember... One morning, I was giving him a ride home from our, our chapel service that we had every day there at the seminary chapel, and we were reflecting on the sermon that we had just heard. Now, I don't remember a single thing about this sermon, nor do I remember who preached it, but I will never forget what my friend said to me in the car about preaching. He said, if you've been assigned to preach and you look at the texts, and you can't figure out a way to say that Jesus died for sinners from those texts, stand up, say just that, and sit down. Right? Stand up, say the words, Jesus died for sinners, and sit down. Because at least that's the good news, right? That's good advice for preachers. And I found myself thinking once again of those words this week as I read the text for Galatians that's assigned for today. If you can't figure out a way to preach the gospel from this reading from Galatians 3, just stand up, read the passage, and sit down, right? You all heard it. Now, before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to the promise. I really could just sit down, couldn't I? Before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law. The law was our disciplinarian hitting us with the ruler until Christ came. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ, we are all children through 
faith. Now, as wonderfully simple as that is, I think it will actually be worth our time to spend just a couple of minutes talking about the circumstances surrounding the writing of this letter, sort of why the letter gets written, to whom, and what's going on. So Paul, the writer of this letter, plants a church in in. Galatia, on one of his missionary journeys, he gets them up and running off the ground, and then he leaves to go plant more churches. This is Paul's MO. He plants a church, gets it going, and then leaves to plant another one. But then in Galatia, to this church, another group of teachers comes in after Paul has gone. This group ends up being called the Judaizers. And they felt like in order to be most faithful to God. You had to be, yes, a Christian, but to preserve some Jewish traditions, to follow some Jewish laws, notably circumcision. And so they start coming in after Paul and sort of adding to Paul's teaching. And word eventually makes its way back to Paul about what's going on in Galatia, in this church that he planted. And so Paul writes a letter back to the church. And that's the letter we have as Galatians. So you can imagine it, right? Paul plants a church, preaches the gospel, gets the people all excited, but then leaves. And then some other people come in. You know, they say, Paul's great. We love Paul. But he gets a little bit excited, and he leaves out some important things. See, Paul's message they say, is mainly about becoming a Christian. We're here to tell you what it means to be a good Christian, how to get closer to God. And how does Paul react when he hears this? Well, pretty badly. Our reading this morning is taken from the very end of the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Galatians. But I'd like to read to you a few verses from the beginning of chapter 3. So same chapter, but on the beginning side instead of the end. By the end, where we read from this morning, uh, Paul's already into making his argument about how in Christ we are no longer under a disciplinarian, no longer held captive, imprisoned, By the law, no longer subject to the idea of working to become a good Christian. But at the beginning of the chapter, Paul's emotions are a little more raw. Oh, foolish Galatians, he says, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul is, Paul is yelling at the Galatians. These new teachers, he's saying, are leading you astray. They're telling you that it was God's good grace to get you in but it's now up to you and your effort to get better. And isn't that a familiar idea? Imagine a mountain with a fence around it. Isn't it so easy, so natural to conceive of the Christian life like that, right? Jesus' free gift gets you inside the fence. 
But now you need to get to work climbing the mountain to get closer to God. This is such an alluring image. It so appeals to us. And this is exactly the image that the Judaizers are selling to the people of Galatia. You're in by the finished work of Christ, they'd proclaim. But if you want to be closer to God, you need to be circumcised and eat kosher and do this and do that and the other thing. There are some laws, they would say, that you ought to keep. There's more work to be done. And who doesn't want to be closer to God? You can see why the Galatians would buy what the Judaizers were selling. It doesn't sound bad. And don't we tell ourselves the same things? In order to be closer to God, you have to volunteer at the homeless shelter. You have to have a three-hour quiet time every morning. You have to, you have to, you have to. To get closer to God, you have to. And Paul's response, who has bewitched you? And of course, this bewitching did not die out with the Judaizers in the first century. It's just like what's happening in your head and in your heart today, yesterday. It will happen again tomorrow. Remember last week we, we talked about sin, death, and the devil And we talked about St. Peter's vision of the devil as a lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. Listen, his devouring doesn't come with sharp teeth and bloody claws. It comes with a whispered word. You're not good enough yet. God wants a little bit more from you. There's more work to be done. You need to improve yourself. Then you'll be acceptable. Then God will love you. This is the devil's lie. And Paul reserves some of his deepest exasperation for those who believe this lie. Earlier in Galatians, Paul tells them about the time he opposed Peter to his face in Antioch. Because Peter had been impacted by these Judaizers too. And he was convinced that it would be better if he ate just with Jews and not with Gentiles. These Jews whose eating habits were lawful. He'd be a little better. A little cleaner. A little holier. A little closer to God. And Paul's response was to tell Peter that he, quote, stood condemned, that his conduct was, quote, not in step with the truth of the gospel. He talks about how people were being led astray by this seemingly simple, not that big a deal sort of thing. This is the prowling lion. Not trying to convince you to hate God, but trying to convince you that you need to work a little harder to please him, that the work isn't quite finished yet. Not sharp teeth and bloody claws, but a whispered word. You should be doing better. There's 
more work to be done. The writer of Hebrews addresses this issue in the 12th chapter of that letter, calling Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith. Founder and perfecter. He creates the faith and he makes it perfect. The law, obedience, doesn't have a role in this simple system. Just like Paul writes the Galatians, having begun in the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh, by your work, by obedience to the law, that disciplinarian? Of course not, says St. Paul. Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who has bewitched you? In uh, 1518, Martin Luther was asked to defend what was then a new theology. And as his defense, he wrote what is called the Heidelberg Disputation. You can look up. This is a series of theses and defenses. This is how people defended things back then. The Heidelberg Disputation. I want to read to you Thesis 26. Very short. But it says exactly what Paul is saying to the Galatians in our reading. And it is exactly what you can say to that lion whispering in your ear that there's a little more work you need to do. This is Martin Luther's 26th thesis of the Heidelberg Disputation. He says, the law says do this. And it is never done. Grace says, believe in this. And everything is already done. The law says, do this. And it is never done. Grace says, believe in this. And everything is already done. This is what we mean in our little slogan, when we say that the world is worn out. We all hear that do this whispered into our ears every day, a hundred times a day. But no matter how much we do, how high on that mountain we climb, the lion is right there in our ears the next morning. Do it again. Do it more. Do it better. But that work is never done. And so the world is worn out. We are worn out. But Paul has good news. We are no longer subject to that disciplinarian. Christ has come. It is not your job to climb the mountain to get closer to God. God, in Jesus Christ, has come down from the mountain to get close to you. That's the work of Jesus Christ. He comes down to those who are worn out from their mountain climbing. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He brings us inside the fence and brings the mountaintop to us. And so we will never stop proclaiming Christ's finished work to this Worn out world, a world that hears do this and finds that it is never done. The good news about Jesus Christ is an announcement. Jesus lived a perfect life 
And in dying and rising again, gave that perfection to you. Believe in this, in his accomplishments for you. And everything is already done. It is finished. The lion is defeated. And you are saved. Amen.